Welcome back, everyone. This is Julie Knudsen with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 153. In today's episode, I'm going to give a brief G update, let everybody know where she is that's following the saga along. And then I have some listener questions that are kind of relevant to the current season that I'd like to go over. So the latest on G, um, and I don't think I've put the video out this week because I'm not sure I got it because I'm too busy having to run the dog. But we are doing the upland field again because she is um, uh, bringing birds back, which is, you know, I had to stop because if we shot a bird, I'm chasing her all over creation. So we've got that part worked out. So she's in the upland field. And uh, she used to, in the beginning, when we were doing this, she would point for like a minute. And finally, we would just have to walk up and start doing stuff because she just was staying there, which is really, really good. But since we've had, you know, shoot it, because you got to, when they retrieve and stuff, when they point like that, you've got to give them a good reason to continue to do that. So when she's had the shot birds, that was like crack cocaine for her. She loves it so much. Oh, it's just, it's just ecstatic stuff. So now when she goes on point before on the one minute and more points, she really didn't know what she was doing. It was just an autonomic response in a strong pointing dog. You know, she's just there. She doesn't have any clue what's happening. And she just was really kind of trance-like. Well, now she knows what's happening. And so in doing that, uh, she's like, well, what am I, I went, let's go get this thing. And it's just, she's so exciting. And, you know, she will like, she points and then she wants to retrieve. And I think on one, she actually pointed and then ran in and grabbed it. So that's the first time I've had that. But all of that stuff is natural. None of that is bad dog stuff. You know, when she went from her one minute plus points now to these shorter things, it's because she really likes this. And when she kind of gets in her own head and catches herself, then she wants to go ahead and produce a bird so it gets shot. So she gets the whole thing that she loves so much. So she doesn't get in trouble with that. It's kind of the natural way. I know a lot of times people get upset when you have these really strong pointers and then this thing happened, <clears throat> happened with her mother too. Her mother was amazing and then started the points got real short because she was really excited about the whole completion of this. And I, you know, I know how, what happened with her mom and it's going to be the same thing with her. So we're still going to do the birds. I can't, I learned on the one she caught, I have to put these down so light so that if she does do that, you know, she doesn't get her mouth on it. It wasn't the end of the world. You know, I just got it from her. But um, it's it's not something that I want to have repetitively so it becomes a bit of a habit for her. Um, uh, she's also doing marks. And I have thunder blasters or whatever they are, the launcher deals. And she loves to go get those black and white things out in the field or in the water. And she'll also retrieve any of the birds now. And so that's, she's, she's real good on that. She's not the world's best swimmer. She still gets the paw up thing and then sometimes gets so high up she can't even see where I am and doesn't know where she's going. That'll get better. Um, her mom was not like that. But anyway, you know, she'll get better. We'll just do a lot of water and eventually she'll just become a, a really good, confident swimmer. But she looks pretty funny when she's doing that. So on the, on the pointing thing, I want to get back with that. So she's in force fetch right now, and she she has a different response. She has a, a little bit of what I would call a clammy response. She 
she gets gets very slow. So when I, you know, I'd say fetch and I want her to reach for it and I use an ear pinch for the enforcement pressure on that. And she real slowly opens her mouth and takes it real slowly. You know, she does all those things very fast. But on this, she has what you call a clammy response. It's just very slow. So that is, and that's not uncommon. I, there's many clammy dogs. It isn't like they're being a bad dog. It isn't like they're extra stubborn. It isn't any of the things that people often associate with that. It's just that these some dogs response to a real personal thing, you know, because we're good buddies, right? And I'm right next to her and I'm pinching her ear and making her grab the bumper. And, and she's just, I, you know, I'm not sure what's in her head, but it's like, wow, really? Are we, you're having me do this? Is this, this isn't our deal? And it's like, yeah, gee, it's our deal. And you're going to have to learn this. So I'm going to be patient and do it every single day with her. And I, if she's got just, if she's slow reaching for it, I'll, you know, I'll shorten it back up and try to get it a little bit quicker if I can and just bump through this. Because sometimes clammy dogs are just kind of hard to do this with. So we're going to, it's not going to be a problem. She's going to be fine. Um, you know, she about delivers the hand all the time now anyway, but you know, she's going to go through the handling stuff. So that's where she is. So when I get the force fetch done, the next thing I'm going to go to is to do some collar conditioning with her so that I can then, when we go back in the upland field and she's been on, you know, she's on, she, I'm going to have this shorter point, really wanting the bird thing going for a number of weeks now. It's not like, okay, she's pointing good, let's stop and let's woe break and let's de-chase and then we'll go back at all. I'm going to continue to build the confidence and the boldness in this dog for hunting upland birds and pointing. She's going to want to go get them and I understand that. We're still going to, I just got to plant them light. We're still going to go do this stuff. And then I'm going to get the force fetch done. And then I'm going to get the collar conditioning done so that I have an extremely bold extremely confident dog out in the upland field and then when I go in and de-chase which is not making her steady to flush it is teaching her that when a bird flies you don't go after it it's a it's different and then busting the bird makes them lose the bird that's the first step in beginning to staunch up a real pointer so that's what I'll go back and I will be able to begin to implement some control things on the dog without sacrificing their confidence, their, their desire to do this, their belief in, in their ability to hunt and find these birds. That needs to be consistent and present and very strong, I believe, before you start putting the control things in. You can always tell in a dog when they've had more control than they've ever had confidence and boldness. And so they're out there trying to do the right thing. And when dogs are upland hunting, it should be crack cocaine to them. It should be the greatest pleasure, the greatest thing that they do. You know, just just becoming exactly what they were intended to be. And so the control stuff, uh, too early, I won't do it. If you're going to make a mistake on that, do it by doing it a little bit too late, not by too early. So that's my plans for G. We do upland every week. We do marks all the time. Um, need to get her in the water a lot because she does not look like Michael Phelps right now. Gonna get this force fetch done. It's gonna it's it's gonna go a little more slowly just because her response is a little more slow. 
Uh, her sister's is not. Man, she's fetching off the ground just like nothing. And then G's got this kind of clammy deal. So two litter mates, very different in this kind of a thing. That's the way it is. One is not better than the other. It's just that this is how we're going to bump through this stuff. So that is the G update. Now, to get on to my listener questions, my first question is, and it's uh, APLA hunt test season. So there's a lot of the pointing lab tests all over. Somebody had been told that they need some help in moving their dog through the upland field. So I, I think they failed. I'm not sure. But they were advised that they needed to to get better at that. And so the question to me was, how am I supposed to move through the upland field? I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know what am I supposed to be doing. So I'll try to address that. Now, we are talking about a a competitive APLA upland field. We are not talking about upland hunting and wild birds and that kind of thing because that's different. This is a marked field. Sometimes they're a little smaller than we like. Sometimes they're uh, oddly shaped. Sometimes they have impossible cover. Sometimes they have almost no cover. These are upland fields in which birds are planted and then you go in there and you need to hunt them and point them and retrieve them when they're shot and do all of that. So how, how do you get, how do you optimize your APLA upland field? So I'll throw out my thoughts on that. Whatever, <laughs> when you are going to enter an upland field and you're trying to go get an APLA title, particularly the higher ones, your job is to optimize your dog's contacts with the birds that are in the field. And you need to optimize them in a way that works with your dog. For example, I've mentioned a couple times, there was a line of dogs that were, it was, they're, I think, all, almost all gone by now. But there was a line of dogs all in the litter that when they'd go on point, they and other trainers had the same experience with their dogs out of that litter. They would be 30 yards from the bird. If they just got one little brief whiff of convincing scent, they just lock up. So, man, it was hard to find the bird because, especially if there was a lot of cover, because, you know, it was 15 yards, 20, how, you know, how wide is the scent cone? Goodness. So there's some dogs that do that. That's, that's hard. Hunting wild birds be great, but uh, it's hard. And then other dogs, depending on, you know, and then how you train. Maybe you train with hard planted birds so they like to get up one foot away from them. So you have to, one, know your dog and how it is they tend to interact with the scent cone when they encounter it. And how much of it, they, you know, do they pick it up far away or do they have to be fairly close? You know, generally that's a result of the dog's ability and also what your training practices are and what your training things are. The other thing you have to take into account is the field itself. Is it a field of, you know, waist-high grass? <laughs> is, it, is it really dense, thick, wet stuff? Is it dense, thick, really dry stuff? Because that stuff puts off a lot of, you know, dry, like pollen and dust and stuff. And so their nose is often filled with uh, something other than just bird scent. So be aware of the field that you're going to be running in and what uh, obstacles it presents or what advantages it has. But understand that your dog interacts with the environment and the bird scent 
in a certain ways that you should know really well from your training. And so you want to make sure that you optimize your dog's ability to detect the presence of a bird. So, and then the wind, if there's a high wind, and again, high wind in heavy, dense, thick, wet stuff doesn't really penetrate down in there. So even though there may be a high wind, if the bird is six foot into that, it may be very hard to, to smell that. Um, and then if there's, if it's very, uh, very uh, sparse cover and a high wind, your dog may smell it a hundred yards away. So the, all of those things are happening out there. And it's good if you're aware of them and unaware of how they impact your dog. Now, you've got a field of a certain size and you'll know where it is. They mark all those things. And then you may watch dogs that go before you and see where they're generally planting birds. Sometimes they plant all of them at the same place every time. So sometimes you could have four birds stuck in something. And other places, they plant them differently all the time. So you're never really, you know, not, it's not always in the same place. You gotta be aware of that. Watch stuff. Look what the other dogs are doing out there. So you know, are they're sending them from a long ways away or they're just right on top of them when they are. Pick that up. What side are they sending them on? They might be sending them on the right side on the top of the hill. And when you go down into that lower part, now they're sending them on the left. So there's some kind of wind thing going on. It's very good if you can just watch that and at least get a feel for how this field is. Now, how do you move through a field? I haven't even answered that yet. So it's very good in your head to at least have kind of an idea. It's not like you have to, you know, we're doing an accounting and you have to take everything into account and think it all through, but just know how your dog is, know how the field is, look at how the conditions, what are the other dogs doing? This is, now this is all my opinion. But when I am out with a dog moving through an up in, upland field and I'm in competition, I want that dog to do its thing, right? I want it to look for the birds. I want it when it finds its convincing scent. I want it to, you know, with a lot of confidence, go on point and stay there until, you know, the birds flushed and shot and all that. To do that, one, I have to have trained them, you know, what my expectations are. That is stay in a reasonable gun range um, and work with me, go in the direction I'm going. If I'm going south, I want you to be out in front of me going south. If I turn and start heading towards the east, I need you to compensate. If you don't notice me, I'm going to give you a little help or a tweet tweet, but I really would rather that you notice me. They get pretty excited when they're out there, but you want to move through the field, giving the dog every opportunity to do its thing. If you are over controlling it, if you are telling it all the time, too far, not there, go over here, all the time, right? Then their mind is up, is partly on looking for a bird and partly on worrying about what you're nagging them about or what you're demanding or what you're requiring. And so sometimes the angst, the worry about that can be problematic. And if they're kind of worried, then maybe they'll get too close to the bird or maybe I've seen, you know, you can tell when dogs are real worried because they're going on a bird and what called blinking and then they come off it like trouble, that's trouble. <laughs> so you don't want a dog to be worried about anything. So in your training, don't make them worry about the birds. And in, when you're going through the field, rely on your good training and just let them go find them. But that's a flow thing. And the, it, the, it's so nice if you've taught them that you two move 
through the field kind of in unison, kind of to the same music, right? You're moving through the field with them having the awareness of you. That's one of the important things about doing the walk on little guys. That's where you build that to start before they even know anything else. And you move through the field and they are engaged in a bird search so that when they find one, all of them is engaged in that, in that location and that point. If for those people that walk into a field and stand, I'm not sure, I have never seen the upland hunting that was accomplished that way, where you just walk somewhere and stand and then the dog like does stuff. I don't know. If I walked into a field and stood, the music would shut off. My dogs would be going, what? What? Did I miss it? What's happening? Why are you there? What? Aren't we going out here? I didn't. So the way you train is kind of what you have to do, but the flow, because hunting is an active thing. It's not a static thing where they just do little loops around you looking for stuff. That's generally not how most upland hunting is done. So it's a nice flow where you are trying to make sure that your dog is downwind of where the birds are, you expect the birds to be, but downwind not too far. So it's 100 yards away and they just make a beeline for it. And if they're young and crazy, maybe push it away. Get downwind and depending on the cover, you know, if it's real sparse, they're going to be winding from a long ways away when it's real dense they're not. And you don't want them, if you possibly can, you know, stepping on them and just stomping on them. Whoa, there's one accidental. You know, you, you get no score for any of that. And there's another opportunity to score the necessary points. So it's, it, it's a thing that you want to think about ahead of time. And then don't give your dog a bunch of stuff to worry about. I got in an argument one time with a couple that used to be in this. And I think they're out of Ohio. And they, they would move their dog through the field like it was the Etch-A-Sketch they had. They would move it to the left about 10 yards, and then they would move it to the right about 20 yards, and then they'd come back over, and they just moved it through the field. And it, I was, it was impressive that they could do that. It would be a good bomb search dog. But the dog was just doing what it was told. It, it wasn't really, and if it encountered a bird scent, then I guess it would stop. But that's not how nature meant the hunting thing to be. Dogs don't need your help. They don't need to be nagged and directed all the time. And so that dog just looked like a robot out there. And there wasn't a bit of passion in there. There wasn't a bit of boldness and confidence. They were just doing what they were told. Um, and, I, you know, you can't hunt wild birds that way. You, I mean, wild birds are way smart and they're not going to stand there while the dog is coming at them in this nice zigzag motion. And... It, if you let your dog do its thing, but you've taught it from the beginning what its thing is, and then you have this music flow that the two of you are going through there, that's how you move through the field. And you can practice a lot of that. You don't even have to have birds to practice moving through a field. But it should be something where all of them can be invested in finding the bird, and they understand, and you're moving with them. You're not, it's not some weird thing you're doing that you never do before or whatever. So I do the music thing, do it with wisdom. Now, a lot of times there's a prevailing wind, right, coming from the west, and you're out in the field, and all you've seen where all the dogs are, are you know, wind, winding them on the, on this side and that side, so I'll get over there. And then you get out there, and now it's right at your back, <laughs> right at your back. It changed. That happens a lot. A lot of times what it is in one location is not what it is in another location. So when that happens, one, be aware of it. 
Two, then change direction a little bit, compensate, move a little bit different, do something, move them, some, you know, move in a way where they may not encounter some birds so you can get around to the wind side that you want to. It's not like the end of the world, but just if you can make some adjustments so that the flow, because the dog is using the wind. Dogs are using wind to find birds. So be aware of that. So your job again is to give them the optimal opportunity to win birds out in that field. Some APLA fields may be very, very large. Some may be like really small or real oddly shaped. And it's kind of hard to move through them naturally. But do it anyway. Just be aware of the wind. Move through there. Watch all the dogs that go before you if there are some. So you can see where they're finding birds, where it looks like they're putting birds. Um, and then use that information. I wouldn't just blindly do whatever the three people in front of me did. Unless it was just killer good and they were in and out in five minutes with all their bird contacts. Um, most of, Do what is comfortable for you guys. Because if your dog is comfortable, you'll probably get the most out of them. And be real cautious about over-controlling and constantly intervening. If your dog is out of control, then perhaps it wasn't wise to enter this state quite yet. But otherwise, if you cannot nag them constantly so their mind is being worried and on you partly and bird searching the other way, and sometimes you can get some resentment. Um, be, the third thing, the last thing I'll say, that, I, and I've seen it, this is really kind of a new guy thing, a, a person new to this, but I've seen some mothers do it too, and I've done it myself, is you got a plan for going through the field. Okay, I'm going to flow like the music and I'm going to go through the field. And I'm going to go down this side and then I come back the other side. And I've watched people, and again, I know I've done it myself. And you, you're following your plan, right? Because you thought about it and you're going down the field and the dog is getting a bird, scent of a bird. But you're not thinking about that. You're, <laughs> you need to move down the field a certain way. And so you whistle them off. And they were getting scent of a bird and maybe it was not in the part of the field that you were hunting, but they were getting a scent over there and you, you call them off of it. Well, you just called your dog off a bird. Many times people don't even know they did because they're so nervous and angsty and trying to do the right thing in the field that they, <laughs> that they, you know, and you do that a couple of times on your dog, about that third bird, they're going to get either, they're like, I'm going to go over and get this thing because you keep calling me off of them. And sometimes some really bad things have happened for that. So as you're doing your nice musical flow through the field, pay attention to what your dog is telling you all the time. They're going to tell you if they're not getting sent. They're going to tell you, and you can tell, you know, you know your dog. The minute they get a bird sent, you can tell. So if you see that, unless there's some danger like, you know, four chucker all standing there in a big group that they can all see you know maybe we avoid that if it would be problematic for your dog you know sight points aren't generally a problem with a well-trained dog but if it's not a problem if it's okay then gosh don't call them off birds so you want to move move through the field not stand um because you don't stand when you're upland hunting you stand when you're duck hunting <laughs> or goose hunting but but not, not out there, move through it and have your idea how you'd like to give them these bird encounters. But when they get a bird encounter, unless it's a dangerous one, then let them have it. So try not to mess with their heads just because you're nervous. That's an easy thing to do.
and practice we're going through fields without birds and paying attention to your dog and you know you can tell when they're smelling a a deer shed i mean you can just just really learn to really tune into what they're telling you and let them know this is your deal man do your thing uh and that's that's my advice that's how you move through a field think first and when you get out there it just simplifies to just a few things and believe in your dog you know if you don't then you shouldn't be entered so believe in your dog and uh, good good things can happen okay my second question and this probably be my my last one on today's session again i was asked by somebody somebody that was running a test said what do you think i could do better running my dog i think no they did not pass um and so they wondered what <laughs> what what they could do so it you know i'm not one for I, I i'm really not one to ask that because i don't like to say well i think you should do this or that or, i'm not one of the reigning experts lots of those everywhere lots of people ready to tell you everything you need to do i was a little bit uncomfortable but so i mentioned just a few things one you know get taught by somebody really well if you can or watch someone who does it that nice musical flow thing you know i think that the marks and the blinds should be the same way it should be a connected flow where you're both dancing to the same music and and you're together and so what i see and what i saw in this individual there was no music and there was no flow and there was an incredible amount of noise and talking and usually when people talk a lot to their dog and say a lot of things and say them over and over and all of that it's because they don't have any confidence in what the dog is doing or what they're doing or something between the two of them so if you want to be um my opinion uh really good if you want to be good in the upland field like in the other one you got to get that flow you've got to believe in your dog you've got to let them do this stuff and it's got to be very simple and very connected between the two of you and it's exactly that way running marks so you need to have a system a way that you run marks and there's di people different people do it different ways now there's not a lot of different ways there's only so many ways you can be different on this stuff but if you're running a double or a triple i don't care what it is a set of marks you need to have a way that you do it and so i'm going to just talk about what i do and what i teach my people to do because i am uh simplicity is my deal i think it's because maybe i'm not smart enough to do super complicated but if i'm not i know the dogs aren't so simplicity is the way to do it i want this to be as absolutely bare minimum simple as possible because we want the dogs to be completely focused on where the birds are going down and then if they're being handled where they're being sent and to pay attention to taking the cast we want all of their attention out there when we yammer and move and yammer and move and talk and say things and readjust and start over and do this and that none of that has anything to do with focusing on where that bird's going to go down none of it and so if we were you were about to, to go in and and uh, perform heart surgery and your assistant was sitting there going did you get a new car i do that is the coolest car and and you're trying to be prepared to do your incision and do all this stuff and they say, did you see the new nurse holy cow right none of that is good matter of fact 
him, the person needs to be quiet and just respond to whatever you as a surgeon is saying. It, I mean, it's like that. You don't want somebody to just bop, 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 because you need to be focused on not killing this person, instead saving their lives. Extreme example, but a good one. So when you're going to go run a set of marks, the more you can have the dog focused on their task at hand and nothing else, the better. That means lots of noise and lots of movement are not necessary. And if you do have a lot of that, then you are fogging and clouding up the activities. So, and here's where you have to have a system. And I'll just talk about the way that I do it. Let's just say it's a um, double, okay? Because that's the APLA stuff. If it's a double, we are going to walk out of the holding blind in a way that we come up to wherever the line is they have for us and we sit down square, square with each other. We have learned that in basic obedience, right? I did all the training somewhere else. And so now when we walk up and sit down, the dog's hips and shoulders are facing the same direction my hips and shoulders are. That way our energy is aimed exactly in the same direction. And when they sit down facing that way, that means that's where I'm going to go. That is going to be the last bird that is down. We walk up, sit down. I have just communicated to them without having to say anything where they're going to be going. Whether they can see a gunning station or not, they know they're going to be going out there. When the uh, memory bird, the first bird to be shot, when that goes off, then they look, because you got the quack or the shot or whatever it is, they look and they see that, and I just leave them on it. right? I, they, I just leave them on it. I want them because I don't run multiples all the time. We run more singles than anything. So usually if one bird goes down, that's the one that they stare at. So they stare at that until the last bird down starts its quacking shooting sequence. Now their head goes back straight. Everything in their body is lined up straight and that bird goes down. Now, it's very good if in your prior training, you have taught them that they need to sit. So that you don't have to continuously keep reminding them that they need to sit. Now, anybody that saw me with a couple dogs in Higginsville will see that that did not go. I had to say sit. <laughs> but this was our fourth test. And I was beginning to lose my edge with these guys. But the way I train and the way I want it is when we walk up and sit down, you know that you don't do anything until I send you. And that should be the way that you train. So in your training, don't be saying sit, 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 no, here, here, look, heel, no, here. Don't be saying all that stuff. Develop a system like this lining one, I said, so that they know what it is. Very little talk, only focus outwards. And so when the bird goes down and the people say dog, now for me, the first thing out of my mouth is not the dog's name because I will teach them to go with the first sound coming out of my mouth. So I'll say something else so that they are listening for their name. So I normally it's sit, but something, and then I send them. So that's two words, maybe, maybe three over the whole thing. So the, all of their focus is out there. I've done all my training in training. So now we come up and, and utilize the training, which is walk with me, sit squarely. That's where you go. So I've communicated so much to them without ever saying a word. So the person that asked me, 
by the time their dog was sent, there had to have been 30 words. Uh, sit, most of them. Hear, heal, know, all this stuff. Okay, so it'd be, it's just like you're doing the, the heart surgery and I'm asking you about your car and the new nurse and then, so what did I hear? Did you get the new Bitcoin thing? None of that goes there. Let's just get, do what we're here to do. And it's the same thing on the mark. So take the talking away by having your training be very simple. You're not that important. Right now, you should be nothing more than the guy pulling the trigger. That's it. So don't have a bunch of talk. It doesn't make you like look like a real good dog trainer. It makes you look not like a good dog trainer. And the, and the same thing on the blind. So if you run blinds, have them dog basic obedience where they line up square. If you do, and my clients have heard this, ad nauseum. If you're doing the track start with one leg forward and one leg back, and your hips are funny and your shoulders over, or you're standing over your dog, okay, all of the, it, this might sound hokey, but it's not. You want all of your dog's energy to be on the line to that blind. And that requires that all of your energy be on the line of that blind, because dogs are very sensitive to that. If you're standing over the dog, then your energy is going right at the dog. And the human body emits a significant amount of energy, particularly when you're nervous. All right. And so when you're bent over your dog, it's not at the bird that it's going to out in the field. It's at that dog. And when your hips are turned and your legs are all splayed in a certain way, your energy is very um, uh, chaotic. And also not in the direction of that bird. That's just a fact. And so, and if you've always been kind of bent over and crooked and all that, you're going to go, I've done, I've finished the Master National. That's not true. You ought to try it the other way and finish more and more Master Nationals. But you, if you, if you align with exactly what you want the dog to do, just like if that, my old rifle analogy I had in another podcast. You know, you can't be all funny and crooked and look in some other direction. If you're shooting a rifle, you need to be the rifle and aim to the way the rifle is and on the tra tra trajectory of that thing. Same way with your dog, which requires a lot of basic obedience so that you always line up straight, that your hips are square, that your feet are square, that your shoulders are square, and you and the dog are aimed at the same thing. And all you do is pull the trigger when you send them on back and then the whole blind will tend to be better with that. So the answer to the person that, that I that I asked me this was, I and they were waiting for some tricks and stuff. I was like, don't talk. <laughs> Have good basic obedience and don't talk. Just get into this focus mode. Because if you are very focused like that, so will be your dog. And if you got all this stuff going on about, oh, that's not right, to the right, no, that let's st step back, start over again, then that's what's in their head and the whole rest of the blind. Be like shooting your rival with the gun jiggling all over the place. So that was the answer to that. And I think all of us, including myself, can benefit from increased focus and intensity and awareness of the energy of the whole situation and not think that our mouth flapping was very important because it basically hurts things. It never helps just like in the surgery. So that's the answer to that question. And I, I told them to listen to my podcast so that I could 
get in the answer a little bit more with that because he might bunch me over the talking business. The dogs were good, you know, and they were trained and stuff, but oh, with so much confusion and chaos and unnecessary stuff going on that was not uh, aimed, did not have that rifle aimed at the target and just pulling the trigger. So that's today's offering. I hope everybody is having a terrific season. Uh, this year. It's nice to have the tests back and, you know, all the activities and everything going on. So we will continue. I will keep force fetching G and maybe get some pictures in the upland field if I can, or I should get some pictures of her swimming. <laughs> it's kind of, it really is funny. It'll get better. But that's today and I wish everybody well and G and I will be back soon.